Welcome to Season 1 of The Happiness Show, your valued resource on how to live successfully on the love path. Here's your love path mentor, Julia Thornborough. Forgiveness 101. Why it's important and how to do it. Hi, this is Julia Thornborough, your host. Welcome to The Happiness Show where I will show you how you can live an extraordinary life on the love path and leave the fear path behind. This show will give you time-saving tips on how you can do just that. If you like what you hear and feel you have learned something, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Share the episode with one other person. It's the best way to help the show and help me reach more people. Forgiveness 101. Why it's important and how to do it. By the end of this episode, you will know not only why forgiveness is important, but you will also have the exact tools on how to do just that. Now here's a quick reference on how today's episode distinguishes between living life on the love path or the fear path. If you let go of your anger, hurt, or any other negative emotions with forgiveness, you will be on the love path. On the other hand, If you prefer to hold on to your hurt and anger, you will remain on the fear path. So let's get started and see how choosing to blame others for how you feel versus taking responsibility for how you feel can have a profound impact on your life and why forgiveness is crucial. In all of this, I'm also excited to be talking about forgiveness today because, in my humble opinion, it is the biggest game changer in your life, bar none. Just as I read from Scott Peck's classic, The Road Less Traveled, that we have only two paths in life love and fear, believe it or not, emotions play a huge role in forgiveness also. And what I discovered from reading Marianne Williamson's book, Return to Love, emotions fall into the exact same two categories, love and fear. And when I read that in Marianne Williamson's book, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Because look, there's gratitude. There is happy, there is anger, there is resentment. I mean, see, right there, I've rattled off four emotions. So no, emotions aren't just simply love or fear. But here's what happened. As I reflected, I concluded Marianne Williamson was right. Emotions do fall only into the categories of love or fear. With that being said, do positive emotions play into forgiveness? 
No, not even close. Because when you receive that promotion that you were so hoping for, or you got engaged, and you're happy, and you're exhilarant, and oh my gosh, there just aren't enough words to say how happy you are. Do you ever say, well, thanks a lot for making me happy. I mean, come on, thanks a lot. No, we don't ever do that. Because you see, when you're on the positive side of emotions, you're on the path of love. So what this boils down to is that the love path equals positive emotions, which means no forgiveness work is ever required. Well, now that that's on the table, then how does fear emotions, negative emotions, play into the whole aspect of forgiveness? Well, I want you to think of forgiveness in this way. You have the fear path, which automatically equals negative emotions, which means forgiveness guaranteed will be required. Now, if you're wondering, well, okay, could you give me some examples of negative emotions? Well, it would be emotions like resentful, bitter, jealous, hate, hurt. All of those fall into the category of negative emotions. And typically, what we do when we are feeling those emotions we blame someone else for feeling angry, for feeling sad, for feeling bitter. It's someone else's fault we're feeling the way we are. So if you're on the blame platform, what does that look like? Well, first off, you are not taking responsibility for your emotions. Not even close. So let me ask you, have you ever heard this expression? Well, you know, you are going to be taking responsibility for your actions, aren't you? And of course, invariably, well, uh, yeah, I will. Well, now on the flip side, do you ever hear, well, now you are going to take responsibility for your emotions, aren't you? See, I never heard that expression ever uttered once in my entire life. Not until, that is, I was in therapy with Janet. I never heard that. So blaming was what I always used. And so when you blame, that means you are taking no responsibility. And so what blaming does, unfortunately, is become the norm. Most people blame. That's what most people do. Now, here is a truism that Janet, my therapist, mentioned in my one-on-one -on -one sessions with her. Whenever I would protest what Joe is doing or not doing, she would say, look, Julia, no one can make you angry or upset, but you, okay, no one. So every single time Joe is spouting off something you did or did not do, it's not about you. It's all about him. Because what you've done is trigger a wound in him that has never been healed at the emotional level.
And every time you're spewing over something Joe did or did not do, it's all about you, kiddo. It's all about you. All Joe did was trigger a wound in you that has never been healed at the emotional level. Now, if you are hearing this truism, and it's a truism that is absolutely spot on correct for the first time, and you can't accept it, don't feel alone. I couldn't accept it either. It took me actually five years before I understood the concept and before I could apply it. Now, here's the example of how I learned how this concept works. I was in a writer's group. There were six of us. And at this particular meeting, we all brought pictures of ourselves to share. And as we were passing around the pictures, I kept looking at the picture of Connie, who was the host for that day. And then I was looking at Connie live and I kept saying, the way she's wearing her hair, this, this is the way she should wear it. So then I blurted it out and I said, Connie, you know, you are an incredibly vibrant person. I mean, you are always in the know of who to go to for the next best workshop for writing. What books are going to advance our writing prowess? And if there are any workshops that are coming up, I mean, you are always, always in the know. And the way you're wearing your hair in this picture is actually, in my humble opinion, I mean, it says it all. I mean, it duplicates the vibrant, positive person that you are. But unfortunately, Connie, the way you're wearing your hair right now, well, it causes you to look frumpy. Now, <laughs> could I have put my foot in my mouth any better than that? I don't think so. And each time I tried to dig myself out of the hole I had put myself in, Greta, who was sitting next to me, was increasingly becoming agitated. But I wasn't aware of that. Okay, until all of a sudden, Greta bolted out of Connie's home. Connie immediately exited herself and came back in and said, well, Greta just needed her space. She elaborated nothing more. Okay, and so on my way home, I'm always reflecting. And I thought that was quite interesting. Because my comment created two completely different reactions. The four other women, including Connie, took what I said with a grain of salt. But Greta, on the other hand, bolted. She resented. She was agitated. And then I realized that it wasn't me that was causing her to upset, to be upset, all I had done was to trigger a wound in her that had never been healed at the emotional level.
that was my first time to really understand how this concept works. And I will share a little bit later how I was able to apply that concept. But what I want you to do now is to visualize the impact of replaying the visual images and the tapes and the language of the hurt. You know the pictures of Santa at Christmas time where Santa is carrying around a satchel, a big satchel, okay? Well, right now you're not piling in gifts, you are piling in pebbles of anger and hurt. Every single time you replay the images, the visuals of the hurts that you've experienced in your life, you keep adding pebbles to your bag. Those pebbles soon become rocks. Because think of a snowball rolling down a hill. It gets bigger, right? Yeah, well, as you keep replaying your tapes and visuals in your mind, that bag that you're carrying gets heavier to the point that the rocks become boulders. And you reach a point where you can't even look up to see the sky. Your vision becomes very, very myopic. You can't see what's ahead behind the corner. I mean, you just, you can't visualize. Everything is too heavy. And so what happens is instead of being able to be on the positive side of the ledger and being able to apply creative energy to your life, you keep piling negative upon negative upon negative. And that bag gets really, really heavy. Now, what I'd like to th for you to think about now is if you're thinking, well, I don't have any wounds. You know, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm, I've got it made. I've, I got this. Under, I got my life under control. Okay, got it. I want you to see if any of the scenes that I'm about to share with you resonate with you. Okay, number one. You can barely be in the presence of someone for more than five minutes. Beyond five minutes, you are about, you're about ready to scream. You're about ready to lose it, okay? The mere mention of a person's name, you haven't even seen them, but the mention of their name causes you to fume and be furious. Look at what they've done. What do you think they're going to do next? You have yelling confrontations. Lots of yelling confrontations. You replay the visuals and the verbiage over and over and over in your mind. Now, typically, when there is a confrontation of any kind, normally there's the demonstrative side and there's the passive side. It doesn't matter which side you're on, both are very, very destructive. And then of course, you get into the volume of your yelling, how frequently you replay those tapes. Both of those go hand in hand to how deeply the wounds are. The louder you yell, the more frequently you replay all those tapes, that is in direct correlation to how deep the wound is. And then, of course, there's replaying 
the same experiences, duplicating, repeating. The cheater, the verbally, physically abusive person, being fired from every position you've ever held. You keep repeating and duplicating everything. If you have answered yes to any of those scenarios, I would like to encourage you to put forgiveness into your bucket list of things to get done before it's time for you to cross over. Put it in there. Go ahead. If you've answered yes, forgiveness is on your agenda, and it needs to be. Why am I doing this entire episode on forgiveness? First off, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. See, right now, I have no idea if Joe has done his forgiveness work at all. I don't know if he has. I don't know if he sees me as a blessing in his life. I have no idea. But what I do know is that I am no longer carrying around baggage from my past. And this will happen for you as well. No longer will you be carrying around those visuals, the verbiage of the past. That past history is past. You will then find yourself waking up every single day, asking God to see how you could become a better version of yourself. How you can apply more creative energy to your life. You, that is what happens when you do forgiveness. And you see, with forgiveness, you will be taking action. And anytime you take action on your life, you are automatically on the love path. If you decide to hold on to your emotions, well, then you're going to be on the fear path. You, you're saying, basically, I want my life to be stuck. I don't want to advance forward. I don't want to do the work. But that, again, is going to be your choice, okay? So now we get down to how does the so-called thing called forgiveness, how does it work? Well, the first thing up is with forgiveness, you really have to want it. You want to be sure that you want to turn your life around in the worst way. You do not ever want to be living the way you are right now. Now, before I get into the nuts and bolts, I want you to do a visual. And I also want to say that the forgiveness formula that I'm going to be sharing with you in this episode is the very same one that Janet shared with me. Now, I've read and heard about radical forgiveness and I've read other you know forgiveness types but in my humble opinion Janet's visual of her formula makes the most sense to me so I want you to visualize right now a pair of scissors the top blade represents your intellectual awareness that you have wounds and if, you know, I'm not typically a betting person, but I would put money on the table that you know exactly when, where, and who put the wound in your bucket, put the wound in your persona. You know, okay? And see, for me, it was three people. For you, 
It could be just one. It could be two. It could be four. It could be who knows. But I want you to identify who the people are. Okay. That is your intellectual awareness. The second blade is the emotional connection. And Janet would always say, look, Julia, until that blade is in place, you will never, ever be able to cut the wound out of your life. I mean, it's never going to happen. Forget it. Okay. So this is where, you know, you have a chance to choose. Do you want to do your forgiveness work, make that emotional connection so you can fly with life? Or do you want to just leave it at the intellectual level and remain stuck? It's your choice. You know, whatever you want to do, it's your choice. And what I want you to also do is to think about the reason why most people don't make it to the emotional connection. Their ego. The ego, oh my gosh, it is an amazing disruptor in life. Because what do most people do? Oh, I don't have any wounds. Oh, please. Really, I don't have any wounds. I'm totally in control of my life. Really. I've got it made. I, I know. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But you see, it's that ego that refuses to surrender. That is what causes most people to continue the blame game. That is what causes the blame to continue. So how do we, so now what I want you to do before I get into the steps is I want you now to partner up and I want you to offer a prayer, something like this, put it in your own words, but I want to give you the how to right now. Okay, God, you know, I really want to move my life forward and I want to do it in the worst way, but I need to really, you know, complete my forgiveness work. And I want to begin that, but I also want you to guide me to whatever the emotional connection is that I'm going to need so I can cut the wound out of my life with all the people that I need to do my forgiveness work on. So guide me. I appreciate your help in this, God. Thanks a bunch. Now, here is how you go about taking responsibility for your wounds. Remember, blaming is using second and third person. You, if they're in your presence. Third person, he, she, they, if they're not. When you take responsibility, everything, no exception, is in the first person. So this is where you're going to be using I, my, and me. And this is how you do it. Okay, God, as you know, I was really upset this morning. This clearly is my issue, that's sentence two. I'm asking that you guide me to the emotional connection I need to be able to cut this wound out of my life. And so what I'd like to do now is give you some quick examples of what happened when I did my own forgiveness work. And for me, again, it was my dad, my former husband, and my mother. And so Janet was our mediator, 
along with our being our therapist. So we were having a three-way discussion on how we could be approaching college funding. And so Joe kept saying, well, Julia, look, if you're not going to work, then forget it. I'm not committing anymore to college funding. And I kept saying, but I am working. I'm writing a book. Yeah, but see, you don't get it. You're not going to a building every single day like I am. So you're not working. And of course, I always started out calm, but very quickly, my calm escalated to yelling and screaming to the point I slammed the phone down mid-sentence. Afterwards, I said, well, God, as you know, I was a bit angry this morning. This clearly is my issue. I'm asking that you guide me to the emotional connection I need so I can cut the wound out of my life. So a couple of days later, this doesn't happen instantaneously, and this is where you have to pay attention to God's thoughts, okay, or following your gut. But in this case, I was paying attention to God's thoughts. And so a thought came in that said, Joe was duplicating exactly everything my father ever did to me. And that's when I realized that I was more deeply wounded by my dad never giving me respect for what I wanted to major in in college, which was journalism. And he said, nope, the only fields for women are teaching and nursing. That's it, period when I wanted to start college, because in St. Louis, they had this weird thing going on. I don't know how it started, but high schools had January and June graduations. Well, I was a January graduation. I wanted to start college in the fall, like everybody does. No, absolutely not, because if you wait until September, then you're probably not going to want to go to college. Then rejecting my idea of reincarnation. I had to remember, I had to meet with the minister to get my head screwed on straight. So respect. Now, uh, there was also a quantum conference that I was attending where a lot of named people were going to be there. Wayne Dyer, Brian Weiss, James Redfield, some other gurus in writing. And so while I was attending the workshops, which were all extremely beneficial, I was also going in and out of the bookstore. In the bookstore, I saw Wayne Dyer's book, Manifest Your Destiny. Well, I'm here to tell you, I kept picking up the book, putting it down, picking it up, putting it down. And my monkey mind kept saying, Julia, do not buy this book. I mean, come on. You've already read Deepak Chopra's book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Wayne Dyer is going to be saying the exact same thing. It's going to be a waste of money. Don't do it. Well, on the last day of the conference, I followed my gut. And I'm glad. I'm grateful I did. But also true to what my monkey mind was saying, Wayne Dyer's messaging in Manifest Your Destiny was very similar to Deepak Chopra's book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. But on page 27, I read this passage, and I'm going to paraphrase. Anyone in your life who raises your ire big time, that is the very person you want to bow down and thank, because they are letting you know you are not 
as centered and as at peace with yourself as you'd like to think you are. I must have sat for hours because never in a million years did I ever think I would be able to see Joe in a positive light. He was not the monster God had brought into my life. Oh, no, no, no. He was a blessing. He was basically telling me, Julia, look, you've got some work to do on yourself, kiddo. You're not as calm and as centered as you'd like to think you are. In other words, I needed to eat some humble pie. And as a result of that, seeing that he was a blessing, that is why I will never, ever refer to Joe as my ex. He will always forever be my forever, my former husband. Okay. And the reason for that is because all of us are a blessing in life. They're a blessing to us. And if I were to say X, that in my humble opinion would be diminishing Joe's value as a human being. And all of us, all of us have value. No exception. We all do. And so the caveat now is I want to, <laughs> what happened after I did my two emotional connections, I then said, okay, Julia, you've got this emotional connection business down pat. Oh my gosh. Cause I see, I wanted to speed up the process. Patience is a quality I'm still learning in life. I'm not very good at it. So I wanted to speed up the process and I thought, I got this down. I know how to do it. So there was a reason for me to fly back to St. Louis and to visit some friends. And I was at my mother's gravesite, which obviously happens to be in St. Louis. And in one of my workshops along the way, I had discovered this thing that if you write on a sheet of paper, you know, I forgive you for and make a list, yada, yada, yada. And then you let a match to it. Boom. It's history. It's done. So I thought, well, okay. All right. I brought my pad with me. I forgive you, mom, for dying when I was five. I forgive you, mom, for not sharing your pearls of wisdom with me. And I continued on with my list. Well, then when I was done, I lit the sheet of paper. And of course, obviously, it instantly went into shreds of paper. But nothing happened. All that happened was I was hungry because it was noon. Nothing. There was no aha moment at all. So when I got back from St. Louis, I then called my psychic because I had just been to see Janet, who had since moved away from Tampa. So I didn't want another flight to, uh, to do work up with her. And so I asked my psychic, who told me about Janet in the first place, if she knew of another person here in Tampa who could help me out with regressions. And she gave me the name of a person. Well, are you ready? She did not do regressions. She did. Again, are you ready? Because I had never heard of this. Birthing therapy. Oh, yeah. There is such a thing out there as birthing therapy. But apparently the premise of it is if you experience trauma in any way at the time of birth, you could be having, having subconscious repercussions of that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, God, what are you doing? 
birthing therapy? Come on. Now, by this time, I'm here to tell you, I had hugged a tree, got at my judge, I had hugged a tree. Then I had participated in two sweat lodges. One was so incredibly hot. Oh, I thought I was going to die. Oh, my goodness. So I did the, two of those. I then participated in two pro-golf journaling workshops, which is like intense journaling. Did two of those. And so now I'm doing birthing therapy. Well, on one of my sessions, she concluded that the forgiveness work I needed to work on was my dad, Joe, and my mom. And she said, well, have you ever heard of the 70 times 7 formula that's mentioned in the Bible? And I said, well, yeah, but I've, I've never applied it. I've never done it. She says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get some journals. And I want you to, for each one, I want you to write, I forgive you, Dad, for, then complete the sentence. I forgive you, Joe, for, complete the sentence, and do the same for your mom. Now, I want you to write whatever statement you wrote down for your dad. I want you to write that 10 times. That becomes one quadrant. I want you to write that 10 times. Seven, that's going to be representing one day. And I want you to do that for seven days and do repeat the process with Joe, repeat the process with your mom. Then at the end of each segment, this is where I want you to write three minutes without your pen leaving the page, whatever you want about your mom, your dad, or Joe. Well, I did that for my dad and Joe, and that, I mean, that took about two weeks. Well, it was seven days. Yes, of course, two weeks. But my arm was so tired that I couldn't then do the next step, my mom. When I was ready to begin, I did. This time, when it came time for the three minutes to write about my mom, I chose a writer's prompt that I had picked up in one of my workshops. And so as quickly as I could, I had to write down the very first thing that came to mind. Color. House fixture. Animal. Flower. Tree. Element of nature. I then had to apply and include every single one of those words in the three minutes of writing that I was doing. When I finished the three minutes of writing, I was bawling. I mean, I, oh my goodness gracious, I, oof, man, I was bawling big time. And what I discovered is that my mom had died to pave the way for hopefully meeting Joe for possibly the last lifetime. Because you see, when Janet was doing a regression, let's see when was the first, very first time you ever met Joe. Well, that was in 1000 BC. I was an Egyptian coming into a Japanese village, a Japanese market, and my mom was Joe's wife in that lifetime. And Joe was pushing my mom. And I said, you know, that's not really how you treat women. 
Now, whatever lessons my mom needed to get from Joe happened long before this lifetime. When I made that discovery, I realized that even death has a purpose, has a reason. And I want you to know that the emotional connection needs to be organic. It cannot be forced like what I try to do. It must, must be organic. But I can tell you, you see, before I made that emotional connection, the mere mention of my mom could create tears that would go from my eyes watering, tears, to bawling or whimpering and then bawling, whatever that stage process is of eyes misting up. That doesn't happen anymore. Now, do I still wish my mom had lived? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wish that I could have learned her wisdom because she was funny. She was funny. But it is what it is. But because I've done that, this is what forgiveness will do for you. This is how it will benefit you. What you and this comes from the Course in Miracles, and there are so many words of wisdom that come from that course. But one of them is, "What you thought happened didn't really happen." See, where I thought God had brought Joe into my life to make it as miserable as possible, that is so not true. God brought Joe into my life to teach me. He was the teacher, I was the student. And I'm grateful that that happened because I never thought in a million years that I would ever be able to see Joe in a positive, beautiful, and beneficial light. It also tells me, by doing my forgiveness work, and you will discover this as well, that every person, every experience, comes into your life exactly when it's supposed to happen. Exactly. No coincidences. None whatsoever. You also discover that no one is out to get you. No one. All experiences happen for a reason. Experiences then become a tool to become a better version of yourself. You know, I've shared quite a bit in this episode, but I just am so passionate about how forgiveness can change your life. And as you're weighing the options, do I forgive and move my life forward? Or... Do I hold on to my anger and keep my life stuck? I want you to know this. You are awesome. You are the best. And no one, I mean, no one comes any finer than you. And that is the truth. Now, if in some way, you know, you feel like you've learned something in this episode, or you've heard something that you hadn't crossed your brainwaves before, I would like for you, if you can, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. 
or you can share the episode with one other person. Because in the end, it is the best way to help the show and help me reach more people. God bless.